Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. What's up, Freedom House? Y'all look great today. My name's Troy Maxwell. I am, uh, my, my wife and I are the senior pastors here. I want to give it up for our campus pastors here, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Stephanie. You guys stand up. Make sure you wave at everybody. Make sure you say hello to them if you're new here. And uh, this afternoon, we have our Get on Track. So if, you're, uh, if you want to join the church, become a part of our church, then after this service, we have Get on Track. It's Three classes that just basically tell you about the church, how to get connected. Today's a party, and you get fed today. So uh, come on, Jesus. I mean, if that's that's a good reason to join right there. Free lunch. Come on, somebody. Free childcare. Free lunch. Y'all got it going on today. If I had kids, I'd bring them today. I do have kids, but they're all grown up. All right. Hey, we're in a brand new series today um, that is for better or for worse. We're talking about marriage. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I want you to check out. Randy, um, your wife told me to preach this to you today, so make sure you take some notes. Um, make sure you pay attention today. Make sure you're listening. Um, I, I know the tendency is, if you're not married, is to go, crap, why did I come to church today? I mean, like, I should have stayed home, got ready for the Super Bowl. Um, but this is going to help you in life. These are principles that I'm sharing today that will help you in any relationship. Uh, we're talking specifically about marriage, but any relationship. Now, uh, I... I regret having to do this, but uh, I want to just state some truths that Freedom House believes, that we as a church believe. You know, I feel like in 2021, these are some things that we should already know, but I feel like it's important for us, if you're watching online, can we give it up for our online family? Come on. So glad that you decided to join us. Minnesota, thanks for writing it out this time. They wrote Minnesota out for me. North Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia. We had Jamaica the last service. How many of y'all wish y'all were in Jamaica right now? Come on, somebody. I wish I was. Um, but uh, I want to I make some statements, three specific statements that, that we believe here at Freedom House Church. Uh, that we just want to make sure we're all on the same page as we start this series that'll, that'll go through the entire month. We have a special thing that we're doing. What date? What's the date, uh, Pastor Stephanie, that we're doing the, the date night? 
the 27th, the, the February 27th. So make sure you come out to that. My wife and I are going to be here uh, sharing some other stuff. You know, I can tell you right now, whenever we get on the platform together, it's fun. And we have lots of great stories. So uh, num- number one is marriage was designed by God. Okay, no other institution. Um, it w- didn't come up. You know, Dr. Spock didn't figure it out. Uh, you know, Freud didn't fix it. No, God designed it. In Genesis chapter 2, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Um, number two, marriage is good. It's good. Marriage is a good thing. Can I get an amen? amen. Married people should be saying amen right there anyway. Um, you know, we're not talking about sex today, but, you know, if you're married, come on, benefits. <laughs> uh, if you're not married, that's, that's okay. And maybe God hasn't called you. Not everybody is supposed to be married. I was thinking this morning... Because I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, this is for married people. Check out. But listen, two of the most influential people in Christian history were unmarried, Jesus and Paul. And so it's not a curse to be single. Um, maybe this will help you today if you're if single, ready to mingle. <laughs> maybe this will help you today kind of figure out why you're not ready to mingle. Or maybe when you're getting ready to mingle. The third thing that I want to make clear is that marriage is defined by a man and a woman coming together in covenant. I want to make that very clear, okay? It's not meant for a man and a man to get married or a woman and a woman to get married. Let me say that one more time. Okay, marriage is defined in the Bible by a man and a woman woman coming into covenant together in marriage. Amen? Now, I also want to make this clear that if, if, if you are kind of, if you're in that place where man to man, woman to woman, you're welcome here. We want you to be a part of the church. You belong in church. <laughs> However, the foundation in which we're going to teach marriage and family is built around the idea of a man and a woman coming together and building a family. That's how we're going to teach it. We're not going to deviate because culture is saying something, okay? And so today, we're going to do something fun. We're going to talk about how to fight fair. Come on, anybody ever been in a fight? How many of y'all had a fight on the way to church today? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Look, these two over here just been like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. Whenever we, uh, whenever we do a marriage teaching, to, with my, my, my wife and I, we've been married 28 years. My wife and I, whew, that's awesome, 31 together. Um, we always have a fight the week of a marriage message. And when we do something together, it's all, I mean, all hell breaks loose in the Maxwell family. I don't know if God's just given us, you know, some topics to talk about, <laughs> giving us some practice things in the middle of it, you know, because practice makes perfect. Um, I, I don't know, but it happens every single time, okay? So get your Bibles out, get your pens out, your iPads, iPhones, take some notes today. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, somebody asked me in between services uh, why Ephesians talks a lot about marriage. Great book to study. Uh, Ephesians 1 through 3 talk about our identity. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 talk about the practice of our identity in our Christian life. And so the first three chapters are actually God talking to us about who we are 
And then what we're to do with who we are in 4, 5, and 6. So you see what it looks like to work. It looks like marriage, how to live out the kingdom life. That's Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 5 is all about marriage and relationships. Ephesians chapter 4 is about living your life in family and connection with other people. And so great book to study. But here's what he says. Here's what Paul says to, to married people. He says, wives, understand and support your husbands. Why? Because we need help. Husbands need some help. We need to understand some things about men, okay? When we say we're not thinking about anything, we're not thinking about anything. You know, what did you, what did you do today? Nothing. We didn't do anything. There's a lot of stuff going on in our heads. We don't really know much about it. We're trying to figure it out. So just understand. We're, we're trying to connect with our feelings. I'm generalizing here. Some of you men know how to do that very well. We're str- I'm, I'm 51 years old. I'm still trying to figure it out. My wife reminds me all the time that I'm disconnected from my feelings. That's why you need to understand men. Women, if you want to learn something right from the beginning, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership. Everybody say leadership. So men, your role begins as leading the wife. Now, this is important because women, you need to also need to let your husband lead. He's going to make mistakes. That's why it starts off, understand. (laughs) Give us the opportunity to lead to his wife the way. Now, this is how we lead. Okay, we don't lead any other way other than the way Christ does to his church. Not domineering, submit to me, woman. By the way, that never works. I've tried it. You know, she gets out of line. Submit, that's what the Bible says. Never works. Quoting the Bible in that moment is not a good thing to do. And all heaven said, amen. And God's right now going, yes, that's exactly right. But by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such, le- as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. I like how Paul throws in there, listen, as the husband exercises his leadership, the wife is to submit Come under the leadership. Come with the husband in their direction towards God. That's an important statement. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. Exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. So in other words, husband, it's not about what I get. It's about what I give to the relationship. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty, just like our words evoke the beauty that comes, that's within our wives. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness, and that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really, this is a key, guys, okay? He says, they're really doing themselves a favor. You're doing yourself a favor, I promise you, since they're already one in marriage. And my first year of my wife and I, when we first got married, we got married in 1992. And <clears throat> I'd been saved for two years. Okay, so we got married. This is my third year of salvation. This is my excuse, by the way. I'm letting you know I'm only three years born again. So I got this new job. 
I got a job working with Allstate. I was working for this company called Equitable. They kind of trained me. I was doing financial planning and all that good stuff. And so then I got this job working for Allstate. It was a brand new position. And so in order for us to learn, they took teams of us to Chicago for a week. And so they flew. It was, I was 20, 24 years old, 25 years old, something like that. And so to go to Chicago, I was like, dang, this is awesome. On the company's bill, I'd never had that happen before. So they paid for me to fly to Chicago. And we get to Chicago, and I immediately make friends. I'm a pretty outgoing guy, so I made some friends. About the second night, all of us were at the hotel together. And now, remember, I, I was an alcoholic, and when I got saved, I got completely delivered from alcohol. Well, two, de- two nights into being away from my wife in Chicago, I got drunk. Worst thing in the world. And to make it even worse, at 2 a.m., I called my wife. Okay, that's just a mistake. How you doing, baby? You know, man, I miss you. You know, she's like, why are you calling me at 2 a.m.? Because I love you, you know. That's the worst thing in the world. Okay, so then I didn't talk to her the rest of the week. And so then at the end of the week, she picks me up at the airport. All right. I get in the car. She says, how was your trip? Good. Did you drink? No. Lied. I lied like a big dog. Lied. Now remember, I wasn't a pastor then, all right? So. <laughs> and she, she did what every wife does, okay? She says, I'm going to give you a chance. <laughs> because when your wife asks you the second time, did you do something? She's giving you a, t- a chance to be honest, guys. Listen to me very closely. Right, right, Stephanie? Second question, second time, is I didn't believe the first one. Now I'm giving you an opportunity to get out of jail because I'm going to kill you if you don't listen second time. So she says, did you drink? And you know what I did? No, I did not. I didn't. She said, well, why didn't you call? Why did you call me at 2 a.m.? And I was like, I don't remember calling you at 2 a.m. Exactly. Now this was before cell phones. This was landline to landline. So there was no evidence, but busted. Now I... I when we got married, we didn't have anybody teach us how to deal with conflict, which is what we're going to talk about today. Nobody, nobody told me how to deal with us. Now, I was totally in the wrong. We almost got divorced that year. We almost ended our relationship. It was almost over because I lied, and we didn't know how to navigate this. Now, we all go through seasons in marriage. I believe we all do. We all, and this is a... When I, when I talk about seasons, I'm not talking about one, two, three, and then you're done with the seasons. I think these are seasons that we go through on a consistent basis. You're constantly going back and forth in between these three seasons. The first season is what I call the season of plowing. It's hard. Um, the first seven years, are the, let me say it this way. The seventh year of marriage is the number one year of divorce in marriage. Because what happens is, in that seventh year, we kind of find each other out. Because for the first seven years, what you're doing is you're projecting on your spouse what you want them to be. It's like dating, dating ain't real, y'all, just by the way. It's not real at all. You're fake as all get out during the dating period. There ain't nothing real about dating. You got everything. I mean, you look good. Everything's great. You know, you're perfect in every way. You've got these great stories. But after seven years, you ran out of stuff. 
And so that's when you get found out because your wife or your husband goes, I'm tired of trying to be what you want me to be. I am who I am. Here I is. <laughs> and that's it. Like it's oh, right there. It, it, that's when typically marriage is in. Now let me just give you a little, a little hint. Couples that come to church together divorce 0.02% of the time. 0.02 when you come to church. I've been coming to church all the time. Look, I've been married 28 years. I told my wife a long time ago, if you leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> Plowing is hard, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're digging fallow ground up, ground that could be hard, hard with abuse, hard with past relationships, hard with all, all this stuff, you know, abuse. My, my wife was sexually abused. She, her family, very different. I was jacked up. My, my mom was an, uh, a drug addict and, and dealt, with, dealt, dealt drugs, and, and my dad was an alcoholic, and my grandparents, I mean, just all, I'm only child, only grandchild, all this stuff. And so you got all this hard ground, and you're trying to get, get underneath it all, and plowing and plowing. So you go through seasons of plowing. Happens all the time. I've been married 28 years. We had a season of plowing last year. Second season is the season of planting. You got to plant seeds. You're putting things in the ground, good or bad. Okay, remember, you are, you're putting something in the ground. And men, listen, women are like gardens. Whatever you plant grows. Biologically and also spiritually. They're gardens. So if you don't want something, don't plant it. All right, men? So you go through seasons of planting. And then last, you go through season of picking. P harvest. This is the harvest season. Harvest. Sometimes celebration. Yeah. But listen, you reap what you sow. So whatever you have put in the ground, you're going to get. So if your harvest isn't what you want right now, it's because of what you planted last year. So make sure that you're, you're and every season is characterized by conflict, intense fellowship, also known as fighting. We fight, we war. So what, what season are you in right now? It's good to identify it. Are you in the plowing season? Are you in the planting season? Are you in the picking season? What season are you in? And if you're right in the middle of it, it's happy, it's, ooh, this is great, awesome. But there's always going to be some conflict, okay? It's like these two husbands were having a conversation about conflict, and one husband said to the other, he said, I just wish, it, life would be so much better if I could just know what mood my wife was in. Come on, men, raise your hand. If you're not scared, raise your hand in church. <laughs> two of you raised your hand because you're scared. <laughs> my wife's not here, so I can raise my hand. All right, I'm safe. He said, I would just love to know. And the other, other husband said to, 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 uh, to his friend, he said, I solved that problem. I just gave my wife a mood ring. <laughs> and so when she's sad, it turns yellow. When she's happy, it turns blue. When she's mad, it makes a big red mark on the side of my face. <laughs> so, so here's the question. Why do we fight? Why, why do we fight? 
Here's what James said, Pastor James. James was Jesus' brother. He said, where do all fights and quarrels among you come from? They come, listen, they come from your desires for pleasure, which are constantly fighting within you. Understand, conflict comes because of you, not just them. It's, it's what's going on in us, if we can recognize that. You want things, but you cannot have them. So you are ready to kill with your words. You, you strongly desire things, but you cannot get them. So you quarrel, you fight, you have conflict. And we live in a world right now where there's tons of conflict. Racial conflict, political conflict, church conflict, governmental conflict, relational, all kinds of conflict that's going on. Let's not adopt the world's culture, which is cancel, and just remove ourselves. Let's make sure that we adopt God's kingdom mindset, that there's a reason for conflict, and we need to overcome it. We need to work through it. Because conflict comes, James makes it very simple. The reason conflict exists is because of sin. We're selfish. You're selfish. You want to be independent. We all do. Simply put, fights come from sin. Sinners sin. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We sin. So here's how it works. Okay, here's how it works. You're a sinner. You get married to a sinner. And because you love each other, you make little sinners. (laughs) And now you just got a house full of sinners. And what sinners do is they sin. And because of sin, we fight. We have conflict. But look, there's some, there's some redemption to conflict. See, we don't want to do what Galatians says. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So we need to have some tools in order to navigate conflict. Because if we know how to resolve it correctly, listen to me, it'll make a deeper connection with each other. We'll be able to walk in a deeper, closer relationship, healthy relationship. I've heard couples say, we never fight. That's a problem, honestly, for me. Because that means that somebody is in control and the other person is enabling their control. And so when, when, that, when I hear that, oh, we never fight, we never get in an argument. Okay, there's a problem here. Because there should be some conflict. Because you're different. Men are different from women. Can I get an amen? amen. We are different the way that we think. Different the way that we see life. Different. Like this afternoon, about 6 o'clock, men, we're shutting off. Like we're done. We are focused on one thing, two teams that are going to fight over a ball. <laughs> and there's going to be commercials and chips and salsa and hot wings and whatever else. And if you ask us anything between 6 and about 10 p.m., nothing's going to happen. We're not going to remember anything. We're not, we're not going to do anything. Just recognize that. That's the difference between you and us. Now, and there are other times where we will listen. Usually right before we go to sleep, we listen. We listen. Captivated audience. So here's the thing about conflict. Conflict is a great revealer. It really shows what's in us. God uses conflict. I think he uses it for a lot of reasons. I think he tests our faith with it. What does that mean? He tests our faith in him, not the relationship. See, often conflict reveals 
Is my faith in the relationship or is my faith in him? In God, the healer of the relationship. I love that song that we sang today. I believe you're my healer. You're my portion. Your spouse will never be able to meet every need that you have. And the minute that you put them in the position of that, you are setting yourself up for failure. You're setting them up for failure. Years and years ago, my wife and I, we had a fight. And she was, you know, because of what she went through, she was really putting on me this this responsibility for her. And I finally told her, I am a lousy Jesus. And that's the truth. I am. There's only one Jesus. He sits at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for you and me. He died for our sins. You know, I, I don't know if I'd do that, just to be honest. That's a tough decision. Jesus already did it. And so I'm a lousy Jesus. She'll be a lousy Jesus for you. So we got to recognize that. So it's a test of our faith, our faith in God. Can God really heal someone's heart? When I pray, do I really believe God can do something in my life and their life? Second thing I think that God does is, is through conflict, is he produces endurance, perseverance. Listen, there's nothing like post-conflict relationship strength, right? Nothing like it. Like when you've been, when you've been through a fight with one of your friends, and at the, after you're over and you've reconciled, there's something about that relationship that, that really, I mean, you can't, you can't separate me. My wife and I have been through some fights against each other and with each other. We, we've been through ba- major storms in our life together, fa- facing the storm, and then the storm in the middle between us. But we're stronger. We're, we're so much stronger because of it. And you have stories to be able to tell the devil, you can't do that. You already tried that one time before. That ain't going to happen this time. You crazy, man. Don't you have some new tricks? You'll throw another curveball and you go, I got that one too. Another thing that I believe God uses conflict for is to stretch us relationally. To take us to another level relationally. So, here's the question. Let me just, this is something that I just, I, I I was in prayer this week and the Lord showed me that adversity shows what is in me. So when I go through something, it really reveals my character but conflict shows me what's in you. So when we go through something, and I've been through a lot of stuff with a lot of people, but especially in my marriage, I, I really see what my wife is made of. And she sees what I am made of in the middle of conflict. I see what's in me when I go through adversity, but we see what's in each other when we go through conflict. So how to fight fair? I want to give you four things Four things that in 28 years, I have a little bit of experience here, 28 years of marriage that we've learned in how to navigate intense fellowship, fighting, conflict. These are things that, listen, I wish I was perfect at it, but I'm not. But these are things that we've learned. And this is not an exhaustive list, but just some things that I think will help you in the midst Especially if you're a young couple or if you want to get married at some point in your life. Man, these are some really good things 
to recognize, all right? So here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4. It says, and do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, this isn't a literal, you got to deal with it today. I used to think that until early on in the church, (laughs) my wife and I got in this argument on Saturday night and had to preach the next day. And I used to take that literally, like, we can't, we can't go any farther. Like, I can't go to sleep until we fix this. Well, I had to preach the next day. And so I called Pastor Michael. I said, you're preaching tomorrow. And she was watching me do it. And she goes, you can't do that. I said, well, I'm not going to preach if we can't resolve this. Now, you know, whoever, whoever repents first is the more spiritual. <laughs> In that moment, she repented, so she was the more spiritual. And then we love, you know, and then it's great. So, but... But I realized then sometimes you can't do that. What, what Paul is saying, what the Bible is telling us is you can't let conflict go unresolved. And let me tell you something, men, it will come back. So whatever is unresolved, that's why he talks about anger because anger is a secondary emotion. Anger usually results in me trying to take control because I feel out of control. So I'm going to get angry with you and yell and scream or I'm going to get angry with you and disconnect and get quiet because I want to control the situation because I'm out of control inside. And I don't know what to do with this out of control feeling because I've got something in my heart that's unresolved. So I'm going to yell at you or I'm just going to hide and go, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Nothing's wrong with me and nothing means a lot. Right, guys? And so, so that's what anger, so he says, be careful. Don't let anger continue. Deal with it because it will come back. Because if you don't, it gives a foothold to the devil. When, when we don't deal with it and we just let the conflict just go. And this, this is the difference between Penny and I, okay? So she grew up in a family where for her, blowing up is how they dealt with it. Blow up. We're just going, we're going to talk about this right now. And we're going, you know, uh, uh, uh. and me, I was the proverbial clam up. We just put everything under the rug. I want to talk about it. That's how I grew up. Something happened. We just don't want to talk about it. God, put those two people in the same room together. You got problems. Without Jesus, you got some serious issues. You know what I'm talking about. And I don't know, these days, I don't know how people can do marriage without Jesus. You need Jesus in the middle of your relationship. So, so listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. If you're single, please don't go thinking that you're going to change that man if he's unsaved. I don't care how cute he is, how much money he has, if he got a job, if he don't got Jesus, see ya. I mean, let him go or her, whatever. But he said, the devil goes, sticks his foot in there and goes, ooh, I got a place. I got a foothold. A foothold means like the crack in the door. I can just stop it right there in the door. Ooh, I got a little crack that I can get in there. So here's number one. Write this down. Is you got to have rules of engagement. Now, these aren't rules that you set in the middle of the fight. No, 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 no. These are the boundaries in which you can have conflict. The I can do's and the I can't do's. The you can do's and the you can't do's. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but a harsh words make tempers flare. So, just a few things that we said in the Maxwell House. No yelling. Yelling's off limits. 
By the way, you can bring somebody down really quickly if they're yelling just by lowering your voice. Now, if you raise your voice, it's just going to take it to another level. You're going to, you're, they're going to raise their voice. and it's just Because yelling is all about control. The reason I'm yelling is I'm out of control and I'm trying to get control. I'm trying to get control. I'm trying to get control of you. So I'm going to yell. I'm going to get louder. I'm going to get louder. I'm going to be over you. Because ain't, you ain't listening when you're yelling. All you're thinking about is taking control, taking control. So you just say, I'm not going to do that. We're just going to take, take a little break, take a time out. We call it a strife break. You go to your side, I'll go to my side, and we'll pray. And usually, you know what happens in the prayer. Lord, touch them. <laughs> just stretch your hands out to them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fill that room that they're in. Because they're wrong, and I'm right. And Jesus, they need you right now. Would you please, they're not listening to you. And they, I'm, you know, I'm spiritual. They're not right now. And, oh, I feel God right now. Just touch them, Jesus. Right? That's what you do when you're separated. That's not what you're supposed to do, but that's what you do. Second thing that we do is that um, no silent treatment. Okay, we're not going to not talk. Bring, bring, you, no bringing up resolved issues. If, I, if I've already forgiven you, I'm not allowed to bring up that situation again. Or else it wasn't resolved in the first place. Does that make sense? Because if we start doing that, what we're doing is trying to use weapons, again, of control. Um, no unkind words. If things start going unkind, we just go take a break. L listen, don't wait to talk. Listen. Because what I do, and I know, I know none of you do this, but I do is I'll be thinking what I want to say back, and I ain't paying attention at all. And so the best way to listen, make eye contact. Best way to listen, repeat back. Just some simple communication skills. Repeat, did not, is this what you said? Is this what you said? Is this what you said? Listening. And don't react. Don't react. Don't react to something. Don't react to feelings. Don't react to this. So set some rules. Now do this, not in the middle of the fight. You know, maybe this afternoon, go to a public place, make a list of some things that you need in your, in your relationship, your marriage, rules of engagement. Number two is take responsibility. Take responsibility for your feelings, your attitude, your actions. Take responsibility for growing your communication skills. I am not responsible for my wife's feelings. Now, I can help her when she feels a certain way, but I can't be responsible for her feelings. So when she says, I feel this way, I can't be responsible for that. So be careful, another communication skill, be careful using things you make me feel this way. Because feeling, they're your feelings. Why you feel that way is totally up to you. If you're getting angry, that's your issue, not my issue. Well, you made me do this. Hold on, time out. Whose feelings are there? Are they yours or mine? So if I'm blaming you, then I'm no longer taking responsibility for the connection of the relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't share our feelings. We need to talk about our feelings. And we need to listen to the other, our, our partner, our, our spouse's feelings and, and help them. I hear what you're saying. You feel hurt. 
You feel, you feel uh, abandoned right now. You feel alone right now. Now, what can I do to help you with that feeling? I can't take responsibility for that, but I can help you in navigating through the feeling and vice versa. So don't take responsibility. I can, make, I can help you make this better. I, I can I, I acknowledge your differences in that moment. And here, here's a little, a little key. Psalms 139, David said, pray this first. So if you know there's some conflict just in your head, pray this, search me, O God. 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 And know my heart. I need, I need some help, God, in understanding my heart. Because when I understand my heart, I can meet your needs so much better. I can meet your needs so much better. Try me and know my anxiety. So, so, first of all, rules of engagement. Second, take responsibility. Number three is be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Romans 12, verse 18, it says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As much as depends on me, I'm going to seek peace. Peace is all about the environment that comes out of your relationship, listen, with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. How do you get fruit? You don't just blink your eyes and go, I wish there were fruit on the tree. No, you have to plant the tree. right? You have to put the seed in the ground. You have to water the seed. You have to nurture the plant. You have to wait for the plant. Sometimes it takes multiple seasons for the peace to come, but you'll never have peace, the fruit of peace, unless you first sow the seed of peace. So if we want peace, sow words of peace into our relationships. Telling him he's a lousy, no good, never make money, loser, mama's boy, that's not gonna get, you're not gonna get peace from him. I promise you, you're not gonna get peace. Telling her she's nagging and, and emotional and terrible and, oh, th- th- that's not gonna get peace. So, so saying words like, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. You have greatness inside of you. Man, God made you in such a special way. You're, 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 you're wonderful. You know what I do sometimes? I go into my wife's in the bathroom, and I take a dry erase pen, and I write a note on her mirror, like a big heart. And I said, you're mine. So when she looks at it, I'm hers. Just little things like that. You know what I'm doing? So in peace. You know what I want? Fruit of peace. I want my house to be full of peace. I want my relationship to be full of peace. So I got to sow peace. I got to seek peace. I got to fight for peace. And it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So be a peacemaker. Does that make sense? Last one. Last one. Walk in love. Walk in love. The goal, listen to you married people, the goal is not to win the fight. This is so hard. Because, man, I want to be right. And uh, let's be honest, I am most of the time. <laughs> She's not here. She can't defend herself. I'm just talking. Please don't tell her. Please. Please, please, please don't say anything. No, the goal is not to, to win. The goal is to connect. Is to take a deeper step in our relationship together. To go to the next level. You know, I, um, I've, want, I've said many times that the greatest way to show 
how much we are like God is when we forgive. Matter of fact, you're never more like God when you forgive. But I want to add something to that. Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Also, you're never more like God than when you sacrifice. For the sake of your marriage, sacrifice. You know, love is a great bridge builder. Why? Just read 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Man, gosh. Do I have hope for this relationship? Am I bearing? Love is a choice. It's a choice. It's not about your feelings. Because, look, I've been married 28 years. I can tell you, there's sometimes I don't feel like I even like her. I'm just being honest. Like, God, what did you do to me? Oh, what in the world is going on? What in the world is happening right now? (laughs) But then you choose to love. You choose to love. You choose. You have to make a conscious choice. I'm going to sacrifice. That's what love looks like. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice being right for the sake of this relationship because it's not about the scoreboard. It's not about Troy six, Penny four. No, it's I'm tearing that down because it's about building the bridge. It's about us connecting more and more and more so that, you know, every year, you know, 28 years, how do you stay romantic? How do you stay in love? How do you stay? Man, it's because you're sowing seeds of peace. You're walking in love. Over and over and over again, making that choice. You're going to wake up tomorrow in love. And then the next day, in love. And when the devil tries to beat your house down, in love. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. It says, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Take some risks. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Take some risks. Well, well, they didn't do this to me, and and if I... Just take some chances. Just do it. Buy them something. They don't deserve it. Take some risks. They've never said anything nice to me. Take some risks and say something nice anyway. cautious but extravagant he didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us love like that would you stand on your feet the greatest gift that you can give to your marriage is your relationship with Jesus Christ that's the greatest gift matter of fact I don't believe that your marriage will grow unless your personal relationship with Jesus supersedes it. So I can invest all this energy and effort into my relationship, but if I am denying Christ, if I am independent from God, my relationship is probably never going to grow beyond my relationship with Jesus. So here's what I want to close with today, and then we'll go home. What's your relationship with Jesus like? Men, husbands, is it right? Are, are you right with God right now? What about you, sweetheart? Are, are, what about you? Is your relationship with Jesus right? Are you doing what's pleasing to him? 
God, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And today, let's walk out clean. Let's walk out free. Knowing that my relationship with God, I'm I'm single. Man, come on, God. I want to go after him. Not him, him. Not her, him. It's amazing. When you start running after Jesus, how somebody will just start running beside you like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, hey, you're cute. Let's, Let's work this out. This is cool. We're going after Jesus in the same way, man. This is awesome. When you're not even, not even expecting it, God will show up in a powerful way. Same in your marriage. You start running after Jesus, it's amazing how he'll catch up and go, why didn't I do this? Or she, why didn't I do this? And, I, and you go after it. Close your eyes for a second. Let's just, let's just do this quietly between us and God. If you're here today and you say, man, I need to get right with God today. First time, or maybe the hundred and first time, the thousand and first time. You know you're not pleasing. You know your life is not pleasing to God right now. And you're ready to make that decision. Say, God, I need, I need your help. I've been way too selfish. I haven't been focusing on you. And I'm ready just to shift my life to be all about you, Jesus. I'm going to count to three when I get to three. If you're watching online, just, just in your own way, just raise your hand. Put your hand on your heart, whatever it takes. And let's just believe this together. Ready? One. Come on, you can do it. Two. Just say yes to Jesus. In this room, online, just raise your hand. Three. Say yes, I, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to repent today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray this out loud. Everybody in every room, you're in living room, kitchen, in this room right here. Let's just pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. God, you gave it all to save me. I believe, Jesus, that your blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. I believe that you were raised from the dead so I could have a do-over. I could live life to the fullest. Thank you, Jesus. I will worship you and I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. God's good, isn't he? Come on. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.